0: You're listening to the Pulaski Corner, your podcast home of Capital Region sports news and interviews.
1: Welcome into episode seven of the Pulaski Corner. Jason Pulaski, Joy Pulaski joining you here. It is Christmas week. 2021 is about to end, and 2022 is around a corner. And we're back, Joe. How you how you doing?
0: Great. We're uh, we officially back in action. Things went uh, a little off the rails with uh, Oswego basketball heating up, uh, semester getting going. Then I was back and forth between you know, Oswego and home for Thanksgiving and going back, and then the end of the semester. But um, as I'm actually like, you know, I've been settling in here a little bit. Got this internship going over at the uh, ESPN 104.5 The Team now. Um, as I've been like settling in for a couple of weeks, um, I'm going back out next week for a week. And then I'm home for a week. Then I'm going back up for the semester. So, you know, the the madness keeps going. But we're gonna to try to power through this. And um, 2022 is right around the corner.
1: Yeah, you're uh, you're putting a lot of miles on the uh, the new blazer that you got in the driveway there, aren't you? You know, bringing her back and forth to Oswego. She's uh she,
0: she's she's earning her stripes. We'll say that.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, you like you said, uh, you you've been busy doing some things with uh, Oswego uh, basketball, 104.5 the team. Uh, going back and forth at the end of the semester. So, so let's, uh, tell listeners, what have you been doing for this last month or month plus?
0: Um, I got the play by play spot for, uh, for WNYO, the SUNY Oswego radio station, um, the radio show that I have wrapped up for the semester, um, TV show wrapped up. I think we're going to be returning both of those next semester. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I've got to talk to the co-host on that. Um, it's good stuff. Been doing some Albany Dutchman stuff as well. And, uh, one player interview up so far, we've done, or it, one coach, we interviewed Coach Davey, um, doing some social media content for that, um, 104 Sports Report coming back for one final episode, uh, word around town at least, um, but yeah, besides that, finals week, uh, end of the semester, and back in the 5-1 great. Yeah, so you're doing play-by-play play for us, we go men's
1: basketball on the radio side, uh you just said the Dutchman. Have we told the listeners know what you're doing with the Dutchman and what your role is now with the Dutchman?
0: Yeah, the uh the uh assistant GM. I don't the know assist- if I've like made that official on here, but
1: yeah, the, the assistant general manager. So it's so a little tip of the cap to the new assistant men, general men manager. Men
0: talk, women talk. The bank account doesn't lie, so it doesn't matter. I'd love for the people to know, but at the end of the day, check that bank account. Oh okay, great tip there.
1: Um, and then you said, Uh, what else? What else have you been doing?
0: Oh, you're uh, at one- ESPN 1045. The team I'm in there interning uh every morning. 930 to 1, uh, Big Board Sports, Roger Wyland, Eric Hanneman, uh, one of the most dynamic duos uh, in the Northeast, probably all of the continental United States. Been um, a great time in there, um, picking up the phone, making calls, calling guests, working the, working the phones, doing what I can, um, cutting audio for them on the fly before the show, whatever it is. It's fun stuff. It's an industry I want to be in, and it, it's been a ball with them. Some stuff that you have experience doing or a lot of new stuff that they are, are putting you into? I've done on air doing like, you know, I've sent it to commercial break and I've talked in the mic, but I've never cut clips and done that, but it's, it's been real fun. Um, different hands-on experience, trying to figure out what I want to do it be radio, TV, on air, off air, whatever it may be. Um, but it's, I've through about a week and a half right now and it's been really, really fun in there. Awesome. So what's been going on your end? Jay? talk to people.
1: Yeah. So, so a lot of things going on in my life. Um, not as much kind of quote-unquote professionally, but uh, at least nothing that we can talk about right now. Um, hopefully some big things going on in the, in the not-so-distant future regarding a local basketball team uh, is all I will say on that end because um, nothing has been finalized just yet. But um, hopefully in the not-so-distant future, we can tell the listeners exactly what my uh, roles and uh, intentions and plans are going to be with that organization. Um, also, kind of officially kind of setting up a – internship kind of deal on uh the media side for a, a local wiffle ball league so there's going to be a new league starting out in schenectady uh called electric city wiffle um i know people probably hear the word wiffle ball and they kind of scoff at things and be like what do you mean you're working for a wiffle ball league but this is a legit league um run by anthony ospelmeyer who's a great guy who i've gotten to know a little bit over these last few weeks um they're building something special out there really trying to make a presence on the national wiffle ball scene. Um, and this is a league that has a lot of guys that have been playing woofball for a long time. A lot of guys that are among the best in the nation at wiffle ball. i really trying to build something out of, um, you know, a, a build something out of a opportunity that has been there that no one has just taken. And so they, this is a, a kind of a, really hot area for wiffle A lot of guys that play perf- kind of, you know, recreational, but pretty seriously and people that maybe don't, but uh, a lot of guys in this league that have been playing for a long time, have great experience, uh, are very talented. And uh, I'm going to be getting involved with them on the media side of things. So more what on you- that once that's finalized as well, uh, when we know that, but
0: what are you going to be doing? Uh,
1: so right now we've, I've been in contact with Anthony regarding a couple of things. He's a, uh, thinking about maybe me being like a host for like a studio like sports center kind of style show um, and then doing maybe a little bit of production work for like another podcast thing that they may have in mind as well but none of neither of those are finalized uh they're both very early in the makings but the league is going to have a uh, what they're calling new year's revolution, uh, event on January 2nd, Sunday, January 2nd up at Hainer sports barn in Clifton park. So I'm going to be headed up there. Um, it's like a four hour event for the league. So going to be meeting a lot of these guys for the first time, uh, getting to say hello to some old friends. Uh, our guy, Anthony Godani is going to be in the league. Josh Highland, one of our good buddies, who though we've seen recently, although he's going to be in the league, but some how people much, that,
0: uh, how many guys, how many teams are you looking at for that?
1: I, I believe we're looking at about five or six teams or maybe it might be, I think it's maybe more than that, but five or six guys, a team. So maybe like eight to 10 teams, five or six guys. Um, I know that Anthony in the original like live video that he did on Facebook, I think was hoping for five or six teams, but I don't know if interest has kind of just swelled so much that he's looking to grow the league. Um, But I'm not sure how finalized a lot of things are. I'm going to be, you know, finding out probably a ton of about this league and you know, what's going to be going on in about 10 days from now. So uh, nothing finalized and a lot of things far from finalized on that, on that side of things. But uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have some more details for the listeners soon. If uh, they want to check out that league, uh, go check them out. They have a Facebook, Twitter and Instagram account. I believe they have TikTok as well. So if you want to get involved, check them out, not a whole lot of content, I guess uh, on the field and what's going on with, with like Wolfball itself so far, but uh, hopefully we'll have some stuff coming soon.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds great. I- I I was sorry I was a little off guard because you just mentioned um doing TikTok stuff and that's just like especially for a whiffball league I think it's a good spot to be in just with with how the, how all the algorithm stuff works it, it's it's a great opportunity to try to join the, to, to try to uh you know expand the league
1: yeah it's a very TikTok is a very kind of niche site and it's a very whiffball is a very niche sport so you know you get those algorithms like you said and you end up on the right people's like for you pages and. not very deep into TikTok. I don't know exactly how it works, but you end up like in front of the right set of eyes. You know, this could be something that kind of just takes off nationally. So this is, I think, a league that is going to have the opportunity. I mean, Anthony has done some tremendous stuff with graphics and logos and stuff like that, where the branding is absolutely going to be there. I think it's just about getting it in front of the right people. Um, And they have an opportunity with the talent from this area to Make a name for themselves, uh, I guess, individually with teams and as a league nationally. So I'm very excited to get involved, really, right from the jump, right from the base, and uh, looking forward to see how things grow over the uh, next few months, next few years. We'll see where things take us.
0: Yeah, no, Jay, I'm sure you'll keep uh keep all the listeners updated. Um, you know, as things start to finalize here in late 2021, early 2022, but uh, getting to some local sports here, honestly, around the five RPI football. I mean, let's let's just start there. Yeah, so Joe, RPI football, great place
1: to start, like you just said. Um, we're going to kind of recap the fall season, start the, the winter season with this episode, because obviously we've taken a little bit of time off and uh, missed out on some things. But RPI, they finished their season 11-2, 13th in the D3Football.com poll. They tied the school record for wins in the season. And Joe, they earned their seventh straight playoff appearance. A tremendous season for Coach Ralph Icernia and the engineers near in Troy.
0: Yeah, no, it was definitely a great season for them. Um, You might remember when when George Marinopoulos came on uh, episode three, episode four, maybe it was one of the one of the first half ones, at least um, I asked him to be the, the QB in our uh, in our Thanksgiving football game. And he said, hopefully we're still playing at that time. And they definitely were. Um, they ended up winning that Dutchman shoes game. Nineteen seventeen won a couple games in the NCAA tournament at Endicott 20 to 14 at Cortland 21 to 14 as well. Um. So it actually eight of their 11 wins were by one score or less. And that theme kind of continued in the Dutchman shoes game, uh, the first round game, and the second round game, They were close games, They were wins, but they were still close games. And then uh, they lost, they made it all the way to the the D three quarterfinals. They got the doors blown off them by NC central 55 to six, but all in all finishing top 15 in the country on the year, you won the Dutchman shoes game. You won a couple of tournament games. It's, it's gotta be a really solid feeling um, at the end of the year for this RPI football
1: team. Yeah, Joe, and it's really kind of hard to, to be upset with the result to NC Central. They were the number one team coming into the nation at that game. Uh, they lost in the national title game, then they put up a pretty good fight as well. So, you know, that was a team that was a powerhouse, and it's really hard to be upset if you're an RPI fan. Um, and like you mentioned, eight of their eleven score, eight of their eleven wins were by one score or less, and so uh, all three of those uh, wins that were by more than one score came in consecutive weeks. So the engineers kind of gave their supporters hearts a little bit of a break uh, from September 18th through October 2nd. Um, But they played a lot of close games with nine of the 13 games decided by eight points or less. So they had a, a lot of games that went down to the wire. Like you mentioned, a lot of close wins, a lot of close losses as well. And uh, just overall a tremendous season for coach. I I think it went probably a lot better than anyone could have imagined um, and they just had a tremendous season tying their program record with wins with the 2003 program who made it to the semifinals that season and lost to the eventual national champion.
0: Yeah, like you said, Coach Aesternia led him to a great year. Uh, he was actually the ECAC coach of the year, and he was just one of many RPI engineers to end up getting uh, individual recognition. And when you have a lot of guys getting individual recognition, it's probably a really good sign that you're going to have a, a team getting national recognition. Like we said, they ended up um, number 13, but plenty of plenty of individual recognition.
1: Yeah, Joe. And, and I want to kind of touch on that that team recognition. Uh just the season recap that was put out by RPI really shows the tremendous amount of success that they had. And I'm going to quote this directly from them. Following a season in which it tied the school record for wins in the season, earned its seventh consecutive playoff appearance, the longest streak in school history, won the transit trophy, captured the Dutchman Shoes trophy, secured its third Liberty League title in four years and advanced to the quarterfinals of the NCAA playoffs. The RPI football team has ranked 13th in the final D3Football.com poll and 14th in the last AFCA poll. So, this is a team that had a ton of success. Probably wasn't expected to do as well as they did, and uh, just an overall tremendous season. Can't say enough about how how uh, good that they did, and proud of think that we are of that five one eight program.
0: Yeah, JC, that's somewhere where that marathon of a rundown sentence is is a good thing. Where all those accolades that you just stated in that one sentence. Um, I mean, great year for RPI. And like you said, you even strung together, uh, was it three of the four Liberty League championships? And um, they're, they're really stringing things together. It wasn't just a little fluke season. Um, it, it was a great season. And it's it's becoming a really, really good program over there at, uh, at RPI.
1: Yeah, Joe. And, and like you had mentioned, the individual recognition rolling on as well. A conference conference best, 17 engineers were named to the All-Liberty League teams. Six were named to the D3Football.com our Region 2 squads. And two were named to the national All American team, so lots of individual recognitions, team recognitions, and very well deserved after the season that a lot of those guys had.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of great seasons. Uh, like you said, ECAC recognitions, All American, D three football, uh, all region squads. It was a lot of individual recognition, and you know, <laughs> deservedly so. And obviously, um, I don't know what what the exact team goals were going into this year, and obviously they didn't win the national championship. I don't know if they had their set their sights set that high, but a lot of individuals can uh, can check goals off their bucket list and they can also check off a lot of team goals as well.
1: Yeah, Joe. So it's going to be interesting uh, for RPI heading into next season. Now, only two of the 17 from the All-Liberty League are set to return with another nine graduating in this class but having another year of eligibility since COVID wiped out their 2020 season. So Coach Isernier is definitely going to be put to the test to retool his squad to defend their Liberty League title in 2022. And the only two guys that come back or that are set to come back our juniors, Sterling Walker Sutton, who was named as a second team return, man. So he's going to have to play a bigger role on the offense and Carlos Davis, a DB. So we're going to see how many of those nine seniors will come back for graduate school for their final year of eligibility. Um, And they all would be huge additions, but considering that five of them were named first team, it uh, would be huge if they could get, you know, even just one or two of those guys back.
0: Yeah. I mean, everything's, everything's obviously kind of up in the air with the extra year of eligibility and seeing who's going to come back and who won't, but, um, it was it was a great core this year, and like you said, they don't return a whole lot of guys. So maybe they have some young guys waiting in the wings. Uh, maybe they're going to return some real solid guys. And I mean, getting a, a graduate degree from RPI while also getting to stay at this really good football program sounds like that. There's, I mean, even Coach Acernia just winning the Coach of the Year in the ECAC. There's a lot of appealing things that he can put on the you can put on the trade table right now, going into yeah. next year, of course.
1: Absolutely, lots lots of uh. Exciting things going on around that program. Have no doubts that they're going to uh, continue that success heading into 2022. And uh, we'll keep an eye on them to see what goes on in the offseason.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it is. Um, I mean, I, I'd imagine we're not going to have a roster for, you know, it hasn't started snowing yet. So we're going to have to get through snow and then the end of the snow and then maybe we'll have a roster. Um, but a lot of time.
1: Isn't that crazy? Christmas is days away and it has not snowed yet. I
0: mean well, we've had got, like a little bit of snow but we haven't had like we you haven't know anything
1: like like a measurable like serious amount like and not even like a serious amount but like 1 or 2 inches where like it looks like winter outside.
0: Yeah, CJ fun fact here. Um shout out to to Aiden Snyder. I'm not sure if he's listening to this right now. Um a memory came up on a Snapchat a couple days ago. Um I'm going to show you this on screen. The poor listeners aren't going to have the pleasure of seeing this. Oh boy. Um this was December 17th last, December 18th last year. um, Yeah, this was, so this was December 18th last year, Jay here. I'm going to show you this year. That was how much snow was on the ground. That is my good friend, Aiden Snyder with the metal detector. We went sledding and his phone went flying out of his pocket. Um, That was at night. So then we went back the next morning, went and got a metal detector in Altmont. Um, Went over to Towson, the park to the bottom of the hill, walked around for, thought we were going to be there for hours. Um, scanning around, ended up being there for about 20 minutes. The metal detector thing just went absolutely nuts. Found his phone point of that story being a lot of snow on the ground this time last year. I mean, last winter break, we were going sledding. We were going, you know, outside in the snow, snow football, whatever it was. We got nothing right now. It's, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. It might, it looks like it might turn around next weekend in of new year's, but that week between Christmas and new year's, but I mean, we'll see.
1: Yeah. And, and kind of taking a look at that, that picture that you sent me, Joe. Um, our, our friend Chris Honorado over at News Channel 13, a potential future Palazzi Corner guest as well, he, he reposted a video from the same time last year where he's walking through. I mean, he's trying to at least walk through the snow and it's up to like his waist, like maybe like his lower torso. It's incredible just how much snow that was on the ground and to think that we haven't even come close to even, you know, registering that total amount in you know, the whole winter season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was driving down the road yesterday and I, I saw this guy and like, I thought it was like a shallow puddle and he ended up knee deep in it. Um, usually about this time last year, you'd end up in knee deep snow. And right now you're ended up in a in knee deep rain. I don't really know uh, what's going on here, but um, personally, you know, kind of love it, kind of hate it. Um, I, I, I'm very mixed on snow. I'm very mixed in the cold. Um, if I don't have to go anywhere, I'm with it. If, if I got to be places and it kind of sucks. But, um, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and cry about the weather. It's not what I do.
1: Yeah, I, I I would agree on those ends. Um, winter, uh, the the winter sports season is my favorite time of year with uh, college basketball, the NHL, trying to catch some college hockey around here, stuff like that. So it doesn't bother me all that much when you know I'm walking outside and it's you know 30 35 degrees and it's not you know 17 with a 10 mile per hour wind chill and you know snowing. So uh, definitely you, you, definitely that's uh, warmer you, weather.
0: You just mentioned winter sports. Uh, we're gonna get to that in a minute here, but let's get to Union football.
1: Yeah, let's, let's cut the meteorology out of this podcast. Let's let's stick to sports. Uh, we'll we'll talk about Union football, Joe. Uh, speaking of great seasons, uh, they finished eight and two in their season. Uh, uh, although they ended on a little bit of a tough note, they started eight and zero, had a uh, average margin of victory of over twenty three points, um, and unfortunately ended the season with losses at two ranked schools against Ithaca and against RPI and ultimately just dashed their hopes for the NCAA tournament and ended their season.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were really good. We were talking about them off off the start. Um, you know, like you said, 8-0. Then they ran into a couple of tough-ranked opponents, Ithaca and RPI. Um, you know, obviously that, that RPI loss hurts more because their playoff chance to go out the window when you lose the Dutchman Shoes game. But a lot of talent on this team, and it showed it in the start. And 8-2, and still not a bad spot to finish the year, but just didn't make a run in the, in the postseason.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing about this league, Joe, is – it's so tough that there are a number of talented teams, you know, in the rankings with Ithaca, with RPI, with union Hobart had a really solid season. Um, but ultimately the NCAA tournament field is basically filled up by automatic bids. And there are so few at large bids that ultimately it was impossible for them to get a bid, even being eight and two and having such a great season where one of those losses was on the last second field goal. You know, they had the resume to probably make an NCAA tournament if it only, you know, would add a few more teams, but, Just ultimately, they didn't get the opportunity. And since they didn't get the automatic bid through the Liberty League, ultimately, you know, really took them out of the equation and they weren't able to continue their postseason
0: hopes. CJ, the the main debate at the national football scale, when you talk amount of postseason teams, people say, oh, should the college football playoff be eight teams, 12 teams, 16 teams, whatever it may be. I think you may have to start the argument that the D3 football tournament should expand. I don't know. I, I forget the exact number they do right now. Maybe open it up a little bit. I think it's 32. And I think about. Let's make it 64. I think it. Just for the hell of it. Why not? Why not? Just for the hell. Open it up.
1: March Madness is technically 68. But how
0: many teams really
1: make March Madness?
0: I mean, if you're playing one game a week, if someone's listening to this and you're a math guy, if you play one, if there's 64 teams and there's one round per weekend, how many weeks does that go?
1: 64. 32 is two weeks. 16 is three weeks, eight is four weeks, uh, four is five weeks, two is six weeks. So, so you're going to start six-week playoff.
0: So if you started at what? started of December, you'd end the end of January? They could make 64 happen. I don't want to hear complaints. That's not bad. I've, like, yeah, but, but
1: then you have guys in the championship game with like 20 games under their belt just this season. And
0: how, many, how many games? Isn't, isn't this great? Hey, J, J, if if you make it to the Super Bowl in the NFL, how many games you play in a season? If these That's guys the want end. to be champions, these guys want to be champions. Go be a champion at the D three level. Go grit and grind it out.
1: I, you got me there. You got me there. Um, uh, but even even if they expanded the field to, I don't know, if there's thirty two teams now, and say they made it 48 no no, I'm and not saying, sixteen no, no. play ins. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna there's kill that. To uh, there's a way to I'm, do this. We might not be the guys to be able to figure out how to do this, but there's a way to expand the field.
0: I'm gonna kill that knee jerk take I had when you said that Union just barely missed the playoff. Um, in my mind, I said let's get them in. Um, but no, 32 is a, a good amount. 64 is absolutely preposterous. Um, you know, let's kill that take. D three three football tournament should not be 64 teams. I want it on the record that can, I don't think it should. Be.
1: Can I ask? Can I ask where the change of heart just came from in about that four and a half second time span?
0: I mean, who wants to play? Who wants to play that? Like, I mean, first off, go be a champion, Joe. Go be a champion. The injuries, the injuries. That's where it came from. The injuries. I care more about the guys who go be a champion. I I care more about the. I mean, if you if you play more games, you have more chance for injury. These guys at the D three level aren't being compensated like NFL superstars, Joe. I don't know why you think they should play that many games.
1: That was not my thought. That was your thought. That was my Um, argument. Was that hey, you know, you play twenty games in the season, your body's probably going to be feeling it after about. 14 or 15 which is probably right around the max that they play right now
0: right when your star qb gets blindsided in the round of 32 and then you go into the sweet 16 and you get the doors blown off you by you know in the round of whatever in the sweet 16
1: in the middle of illinois yeah 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 no nobody
0: needs that travel you know d3 teams and travel budget and it's the whole thing um let's get let's get union football and rpi in, in the 32 team playoff next year let's do that let's focus on that
1: Yeah. And I think they could, Joe. And, and, you know, we'll have to see like we just mentioned how many of those guys from RPI come back next season that will help them get into the field. Um, The same thing goes for union where um, they are going to bring back a number of guys. I have it here somewhere. Um, They had eight named to the all Liberty league first team. Uh, Only one is set to return after he was a junior. He's going to be a senior next year. That's lineman, Jamar Edwards, but another five of five class of 22 seniors have one year of eligibility left. And two of those guys
0: are Ike Kraber and Andre Ross Jr. CJ, personally, I, I am a very big look on the positive side kind of guy. You know me. Um, Absolutely. There are, there's plenty of pros and cons to COVID. I wouldn't say the pros outweigh the cons by any means, but if you want to look at the pros, part of the fun of it is when guys who would usually be out of eligibility. Now you have the extra year of eligibility. You get to spend the whole, the entire off season thinking about if they're coming back. I mean, the, the RPI and union teams with all these star seniors, they're gonna it'd be totally different if we weren't even considering the extra year of eligibility, just considering it and get think about it. You know, it's more football for the offseason.
1: But on the counterpoint of that, if COVID, let's just say COVID never happened and these guys had that normal season and hey, they'd be four years and they'd be done. Now you're not paying for a year of graduate school. Now you're not, you know, delaying your Post football career by a year. Well, it's, the, it's now their choice. Not... I
0: mean, it's, it's it's let's relax here. It's their choice. No, you are not forced to got to come back for their fifth year.
1: Absolutely not. But you don't have to make them make that
0: choice if COVID, quote unquote, doesn't exist. Never in my life have I heard someone has to go to grad school. Never in my life. Well, if they want to come back and play football
1: for another year, they do. At least at Union or any other collegiate institution.
0: Yeah, but I mean. So just the fact that like, they have to make the decision. I like the like they get to make a decision. Like I personally, if if I was a uh, an NCA athlete, which I'm not, of course, um, I would rather get my grad school degree while playing my beloved sport as opposed to get my grad school degree and not play my sport.
1: Absolutely. But I would depending on what your study is and your
0: field and what you want
1: to get into, I'd much rather take my bachelor's after four years and be like, see ya, I'm on to the next step
0: in my life. And- Unless you play juniors hockey, then the entire thing goes out the window.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless you play ju- that's a whole other conversation. That, that a we are not we are not versed enough to get into. Um, be- Braden
0: Deming, he's twenty three years old and he's a junior at Suny <laughs> Oswego.
1: Yeah, we'll get Let's him out moving of the moving. We'll have them. we'll have them talk about some uh some junior hockey i got but, a lot uh, of
0: people i got a lot of people that aren't from albany that want to come on the pod so eventually we might open this thing up
1: I, yeah we've been we've been talking about that a little bit or at least i've been thinking it. i think i've i brought up the idea to you though is a little bit of a like friends of the pod kind of like side series but whatever that's a that, topic think, for a different day
0: i think 2022 we might have to open that up maybe hey. that's one of the big things we have lined up for 2022 who knows? Who knows?
1: And, and we're going to be getting into our first calendar year as a podcast. We've only been doing this for a few months. And so if we put what, what out are the, 52 episodes in 2022.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, well, I was going to say, what are the odds I make a call live on this podcast right now to our first guest or friend of the podcast? But uh, I don't know. I don't know who'd get the first call. There's, there's too many friends to choose from. <laughs> Nah, I'm not yeah. going to make the first call right now.
1: Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's just act like that did not happen because there, there's a lot of guests that we'd have to sort through and uh, we'll have to see if we can come up with some. We're going to put
0: some names in a randomizer and see who comes up. We'll, we'll Fair do.
1: enough. Or we can just have them bribe us and whoever comes up with the best bribe and uh, the best no, 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 no,
0: no. no. We're, we're keeping our hands clean. Let's relax. The hands well, are clean. take Soap. T- soap clean. <laughs> no germs. Soap. Okay. Clean.
1: So that's what Joe and I will discuss that off the record. Uh, yep. for maybe a little bit of a side series coming in 2022. But back to Union football, somehow we, uh, we ended up here. Uh, even though the, the Dutchmen didn't make the playoff show and they ended their season on a tough note, the All-Liberty League teams were just littered with Dutchman. Uh They had 16 all-conference players and placed eight on the first team alone, tied with Ithaca for most in the conference. And looking at the All-Liberty League teams, it's pretty funny that the first team alone is pretty much exclusively made up of players from RPI, which had six players. Union had eight. Ithaca had eight and Hobart had seven and St. Lawrence had the lone remaining first teamer. So uh, just kind of ironic about how uh, diverse this league is. And when you look at the top teams, they really have the top talent. And then there's maybe a little bit of a separation to
0: the bottom rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, Union and RPI are just kind of po- who was the third team you said? Union RPI and who, who else dominated it? Union had six. Uh, Ithaca
1: had eight. Union had eight and Hobart had seven. So those squads just run
0: the Liberty league. And then yeah. after that, I mean, it seems like there's a, there's a decently steep fall off, whether it be in talent or just production. I mean, you know, there's a million things that can go into why one guy has better season season than another guy, but um, yeah, you know, and- it seems like that's, that's pretty significant and, and it shows in the team record. It shows in the individual recognition, whether you want to say individual, the individual stats determines how the team goes or how the team goes determines the individual stats. You can argue either way. And there's, you know, but that's, that's a whole different thing, but um, it, it's definitely a telling, a telling sign. Yeah. And looking at the, uh, the argument
1: that individual stats are d- doesn't determine how the team goes. Hobart had the offensive and defensive player of the year and was the, one of those four teams that were left out of the polls and kind of out of the, you know, postseason hopes between union rpi and ithaca and ithaca had the special teams player and rookies of the year and the rookie of the year was a sophomore so shout out COVID on that one
0: interesting the rookie there was a sophomore interesting
1: yeah you always you always hate to see when uh conferences announce like their their newcomer of the year and it's like a redshirt junior who's a transfer from like a junior college or
0: uh the, the, the freshman the, of
1: the year is a red shirt freshman or whatever.
0: There should be two different awards. If you're going to do that, there should be freshman of the year. and new True year. freshman, true freshman,
1: right? First no red year.
0: shirts, no nothing. Newcomer would be red shirt or transfer, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would agree. Um, but great season gel for uh, the union Dutchman. Um, they also had a record tying six on the all region team and four were named all ECAC second team. Um, and it might, be tough to not think about the last two games when thinking about the season. And I'm sure it didn't end the way the program wanted it to, but it's impossible to overlook the overall success, these individuals and this team had all season long.
0: Yeah. Great, great seasons for both RPI and union. Um, RPI went a little further, got the Dutchman shoes, but you know, two, two great programs brewing in the capital region at the division three level. Um, let's get the division one level here, Jay. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll head over, uh, We've gone from Rensselaer. So if you're looking at the map, you're going like you're you're in the northeast part. And then you've made all the trek all the way down. You know, what is that? You're going to go across Route 7 up there, across Latham over to Union and Schenectady. And now you're going to come down 890 and you're going to head back south and you're going to end up at the University of Albany, which is where we're going to go next. And Joe? That was beautiful. Thank you. I, I really should have been a geography major. Yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about my college experience, though. Um, but uh, you ended up going from a team that made the NCAA tournament to a team that just narrowly missed it to a team that definitely did not have the season they, they were expecting to have at the University of Albany.
0: Yeah, UA went 2-9 and nine this year, bottom of the Colonial Athletic Association. Uh, the highlight of the season was, I mean, for RPI, there were different things you could argue. You need different things you could argue. Albany seems pretty clear. The highlight of the season was on senior day. Fresh off the Carl Moe for interview on the Pulaski Corner, 41-14 uh, win versus Morgan State. It was dominant. Um, it's, a, it's a little interesting looking at it now with guys going in the transfer portal. We'll get into that in a minute. But, um, you know, we got guys going to the draft and guys in the portal and big schools looking. And it, this team just couldn't really put it together. I mean, it seems like there were obviously key pieces there, but for, for you know, the f- bigger scale. The, the entire team just wasn't put together.
1: Yeah, Joe, and, and kind of rewinding there a second, um, the individual talent, the pieces were there. Um, I mean, this team brought a good amount back from two seasons ago when they made that run into the NCAA tournament. Um, they were picked to finish eighth in the preseason, but I know a lot of players took that selection personally. And I think the program as a whole thought they were going to do a lot better than eighth, eighth place finish, which obviously just wasn't the case. Um, but when you kind of take a deeper look inside the numbers, they were so close in so many of those losses, where they lost five of their first eight games by seven points or less, and the other three losses were to North Dakota State, who just defeated the top CA program in James Madison to advance to their ninth championship game in eleven years, Syracuse, an ACC school who you all mean should have no means competing against any day of the week, and Towson, who if you look into the statistics of that game, you all mean either should have won or had it been another close loss. So. It's hard to take the moral victories away from a two and nine season, but man, they had some talent, but unfortunately I just don't think their record was reflective to how close this team was to some pretty decent success this
0: season. Well, if you think about that, if they're, they're one offensive drive from stalling out or one defensive stop or a turnover, right? You're, you're looking at seven, seven and four versus two and nine. Yeah. And, and And that's,
1: it's a completely different season
0: right i mean i don't know if you got guys even entering the transfer portal at that point whatever it may be but um, you know at the end of the day like we can sit here and talk about they were that close but they they were that close five times like the, part of the reason that great teams are great is because they win those games that are one score games so you know it's it's easy to sit here and say oh ua was you know this close five times you know, they were that close five times, but if it's it's a lot different than being close five times and getting the win because seven and four team is, is very different than the two and nine team. And it, it's kind of difficult to sit here and say that they deserve to be a seven and four team because the seven and four teams win those close games.
1: Yeah, great point, Joe. And and like you mentioned, you know, even harder than taking kind of those moral victories away from the season and, and thinking that, oh, we could have had a much better season, um, the lack of talent that this team has, is currently set to bring back. Um, you know, like, uh, they're going to lose key players, you know, like episode six guest and star running back Carl Mulford. He's set to graduate. They lost a host of players currently to the transfer portal, including stud defensive end, Jared verse. Who's now being recruited by the likes of like LSU, Florida state, Arkansas, Auburn is in on him. Iowa, just an incredible amount of talent just in that single guy alone.
0: Uh, two questions I have for you here. Okay. Well, one being more of a, uh, that's a statement. Now, the second one going to be a question. First off, I'm not quite sure how a team that was that good, you know, a couple seasons ago that bring back their starting backfield um go two and nine this year. So I'm with you. It was a little surprising there. But my question for you, with, like you said, Jared first getting power five offers, Um, I don't know what he was looking like out of high school, but how do you go from, like, how did, how do schools just completely miss on him? Like, obviously, we see guys like, Uh, what was it? Joe Casal just decided to go to Robert Morris. I think there was another name that's going to Robert Morris too, or got an Uh, offer from Robert Morris, maybe.
1: Yeah, Maison Walker got an offer from Robert Morris. Right. But
0: like that's going like, you know, FCS to FCS. I don't know how you go from two and nine in the FCS to going power five in the FBS, because the saying is always, you know, if if you're talented, obviously, you know, this one of the sayings is if you're talented, they'll find you. But the other one being you need to win for them to find you. Like if you're at the division three level and you're looking to transfer division one. If you're at, if you're putting up thirty points a game at a two and twenty six school in, in basketball, you're not going to transfer out. But if you're putting up thirty points a game at a school that's twenty six and two, you're going to get out of there. Yeah. So uh, that's 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 kind of my question here with, with verse is how you go from a two and nine in, in the FCS to power five offers in the FBS. I don't know if he's just sending out tape or highlights or connections or what it is, but I mean, it, it I, looks like he's got a very promising future. But I'm just curious how it's happening.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's a number of things. I think, first of all, you look at him and the build and the ability and just kind of who he is. So he's he's like 6'4", he's 250, he's very long, he's very athletic. He's got a great first step. He gets off the edge very quickly. He has all the intangibles to be a tremendous player. So I think that is why. Um, I mean, he's just an absolute force, you know, off the edge. You know, he's had a tremendous season or career technically I guess at Albany, he's only played in the spring in the fall and now he's you know going to transfer out obviously um but I, th- I think it's he's put up the numbers he's got the the physical numbers and the statistics to you know that that are correct that fit the the typical breed um he's got the tape it, it all it all fits so I think that you know even though in the games that you know, even though you Albany didn't win a whole lot this year and they went two and nine and they had a tough spring season, you know, it's hard to ignore the fact that he had almost a sack per game. Uh, he finished fourth on the team in tackles. He had 11 and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, he recorded eight tackles in a game a number of times. He had two sacks in the game a few times. I mean, he's he's just a force. So, you know, I think it's it's hard to ignore those numbers. If they were maybe a little bit more like mediocre or he wasn't, you know, as like you know, jumping off the page as much. It might not be as easy to see why, but I think the whole picture is there and that's why he's getting the interest that he's getting.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Definitely. I mean, like you said, the intangibles are there. The numbers are there. Everything's there. Um, This UA team next year going from two and nine and you're going to lose Carl Moford declared for the draft. Uh, Jared verse going to be transferring probably to a power five school. which went through his Twitter. Uh, most recent ones are LSU, Florida, and Oklahoma. So it looks like he'll probably be going down south somewhere where it's a lot warmer. Um, then Jeff Undercuffler, who's your QB for most of the season, was is going in the transfer portal as well. So yeah, it's uh wow. it's interesting for this this two and nine team losing so many important pieces. I mean, obviously you could look at it one way and say that um that just because they are two and nine and loot just completely blowing it up might not be such a bad thing, but on the other hand, you're losing your best guys and there's really going to be no identity to this team besides maybe Jackson ambush.
1: Well, the thing Joe is that that blowing this whole team up is that this is coach Greg Gattuso's last year of his contract coming up. So you're, you're not, if you're Gattuso, you're not really in the spot where you can say, Hey, let's blow this thing up from the jump. Let's restart and let's, you know, refresh and maybe look into 2023, 2024, maybe even 2025. because this is your last year, so you have to win. It's, it's going to be hard to look at this team and say, oh, yeah, they had some great success in 2019. Let's re-up Katuso for another five years. I think he's a really solid football coach. I think they've had some good success. But ultimately, you know, at what point do you have to say, hey, the recent success is the recent success? I think the same goes for what happened with Coach Brown at UAlbany. I mean, he won, what, five American Championships, You know, they had great success a few years ago. They just had that three-peat five, six seasons ago. You know, they were in the NCAA tournament. They had guys like Joe Cremo, uh, Evan Singletary, Ray Sanders, David Nichols. I mean, those guys, you know, Nichols and Cremo went out to Florida State and Villanova. I mean, they had the talent, but the recent success wasn't there. So if the trend's going to align with Gattuso, he doesn't have the ability to kind of say, hey, let's blow things up, let's look into the future because, you know, it's time to win some ball games. And if it doesn't happen this year, you know, who knows where he's going to be next year.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you on that. It's he's definitely not in in the most comfortable position in terms of free building. Um, And touched on it quick, Jackson ambush, who's going to be staying. Hopefully hasn't answered, entered the transfer portal yet. And Jared verse both got named to the hero sports, FCS Freshman all American team. Um, They were both just outstanding all fall. Uh, You got into versus numbers. Ambush was solid as well. Um, real quick, also on the CAA recognitions, I mean, it's still those same three guys: Mofer and Verse, first team, Ambush, third team. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say. Mofer hopefully gets drafted. It'd be real exciting to see the guy at a UA get drafted. Um, declaring it, I saw this morning he signed signed an agent. Yep. Um,
1: alum, Kevin Gold.
0: Yeah, and then uh,
1: I think he represented Brian Parker. Um, he's represented some other UAlbany guys, so should
0: be. Yeah, excited. and then we'll see how um. You know, we'll see where Verse lands up and hopefully Ambush comes back, but it seems like those are really just the the, the, uh, the three main guys, and there's a chance you bring back 33% of that or 0% of that next year.
1: Yeah, Joe, and and I think, you know, if you are a Albany fan, you,
0: you know, obviously you really want
1: every guy to come back, but, you know, especially when you look at a guy like Jackson Ambush, I mean, obviously just being a freshman, you know, he's fifth in the CAA in tackles per game. He had five tackles for loss. He had a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, you know, He has the makeup and he seems to have the looks and the ability to be, you know, in that lineage of great UAlbany linebackers. Guys like, you know, John Morgan, Christian Dorsey, Michael Nicastro over like the last decade. You know, Danny D'Amico, who is another guy that has had some really, you know, successful seasons for UAlbany these past few years, who's hitting the transfer portal. He's getting looks from like schools like Towson and Villanova. So, you know, he's going to be staying maybe right around the CAA. Uh, Levi Matheny, who just transferred to Murray State after uh, I guess the spring season. Uh, ambush is on his way to possibly, you know, topping all of them. And, and we're gonna have to see just how long he remains in the U uniform. But if he decides to hit the portal, Joe, this team is uh I mean, this team's gonna lose, I think, just about every single linebacker. I mean, they play a three four, you know, from their every single linebacker from their their two deep. Um, they play a three or no, they play a four three. Uh, A.J. Missler is set to return, I think, although he may have been a senior, so he might be graduating. I don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, you're going to lose. You Technically, we say you'll lose Ambush. Uh, You'd say you'd lose um, Danny D'Amico, so you'd lose two of your three linebackers. Casal's a backup. You'd lose Casal. Uh, Damon Burton was another backup. He's in the transfer portal, and I think the sixth one was Ben Hal jones who's a freshman. He's going to come back, and, and he's a... I really like him. He's a really talented player, but you lose four, five of this, the six guys, you know, out of the middle of your defense. I don't like to hear that.
0: Especially i into a contract year,
1: especially in the contract year,
0: but yeah, yeah. well, it's, uh, uh well, yeah, well, tough season for the Danes. Um, this is a tough note to end the, uh, the foot 10, the, the college football part of the, of around the five on with how great union and RPI were this year. Um, You know, I don't want to say where people should be going to games. I I, I don't want to do that, but I I want to encourage as as a D3 man myself, I want to encourage people not just looking at D1 and D3 and saying, oh, that one's D1, that one's D3. Let's go to the D1 game. Look into the talent. Look into, you know, if you're bringing your kids who they might want to watch, if if, um, winning, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. If you're looking at it next year. If you don't have an allegiance, if you're not an alumni or two minutes from a school, whatever, think about going to RPI. Think about going to Union. Think about going to UA. You know, m- make your choice. Do whichever the three. J- just give RPI and Union a shot. G- give a, give a, a nationally ranked Division three program in you know in the Capital Region a shot against a, a two and nine U Albany team. I'm, I'm I don't. I'm, this really sounds like I'm taking it away from UA, which I'm not trying to do. But it's just more of like just being a a D3 guy and just just know there's there's talent other places. than if if you're going to focus on wins, if that's what you decide to do as a person and and as a as a ticket buyer and as a consumer, don't go to UA. I mean, I don't want to say how how I don't want to say how you should determine where you go. But if 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 you walk out of that stadium miserable, if your team loses and happy, if your team wins. Who cares that it's division three football? It's union RPI. They're in your backyard. Think about, t- think about going out there next ball. That's all I'll say on it.
1: Yeah. And Joe, we, uh, we just mentioned coach Brown. And I remember he sent out a tweet maybe a couple of weeks ago and he was just, he was, he said something about how that there is talent at every single level. You're not just going to find great talent at division one. And then you go to division two and there's like, there's something in division three, there's nothing like these are guys that just walked on the team right off the street. There is talent at every single level. It made me think like, oh, this is why I didn't play collegiate athletics, because there's talent at every single level. But I mean, we talk about the the seasons that, you know, guys like Ike Rabor and Andre Ross Jr., the seasons and careers that they have had at Union. Uh, RPI has had some great talent, although they are such like a, a team oriented program. I mean, they had six guys make the first team, but a lot of those guys were like, gritty guys and you know you're not going to look at like the skill players necessarily for rpi as to like why they had the success that they had but there's so much talent you know at all levels and you see even like some of the biggest and best you know nfl players and guys that make the league are guys that came from like d2 d3 lower level schools where not everyone's in alabama or a michigan or an ohio state type a lot of guys you're gonna find are coming from like you know villanova uh, Delaware. There's a kid who plays for, I think he plays for the Rams, Nasir Atterley. I think he starts. Uh he starts for he, he went to Delaware. Uh Jaron Williams, who played for U Albany a couple seasons ago, he just started for the Giants this past Sunday. I mean, the talent is at every single level.
0: So you just uh, have to go and find it. One other name I want to toss in that conversation. Every time I watch the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, and they put the name in this in the starting lineup, Tano Passinaw. Uh I remember he used to play at Villanova back in the day, yeah. Playing against the UA. That's just a name. That's a name I didn't want to forget in there. Um, Speaking of, you know, even coming out of FCS and making it to the league, Jaron Williams, former UAlbany player, made his first NFL start on Sunday with the Giants, had five tackles in that game. Um, Special shout out to him. Also pulled up the Coach Brown tweet here. I wanted to read this uh, verbatim here. People need to realize guys can really play at all levels. I watched my older son play against St. John Fisher and SUNY Poly. Both have scholarship level front courts. It's all about fit and opportunity. Don't get consumed with the highest level. Worry about being at the right level. Can I can I get a date on that tweet, please? October 20th, uh, October, November 28th. Um, Oswego, a play, uh, Oswego plays St. John Fisher this upcoming week. So that tweet scares me a little bit. Seeing St. John Fisher's in that. Um, well, how good of a sw- season, how good of a sw- season, how good of
1: a season is Oswego having?
0: Uh, like seven and one, eight and one, right? Seven and one. I think Fisher's seven and one right now too. Uh, received votes in the D three polls. So this tournament coming this weekend, it's a little off topic here, but, uh, this upcoming week at at the D three level. And and it's, it's interesting my life. Um, at at St. John Fisher, I forget who the fourth school is, but St. John Fisher, I think they're six and one, seven and one. I don't know if they've received, I think they haven't been receiving any votes, but you know, like coach Brown just said, um, scholarship level front court. Oswego 7-1 receiving votes in the national rankings. RPI is going to be out there. So there's your local interest. Uh, They're nationally ranked right now in men's basketball. And I forget the fourth school, but there's going to be a lot of talent out there. It's going to be at uh, St. John Fisher out in Rochester. I'm not going to be able to make it out there, but um, it's going to be. I'm planning on streaming it. Um, I'm going to be a little torn. Um, What am I saying? I'm not going to be torn when I'm watching Oswego versus RPI. it's, It's a little weird. I saw RPI on the schedule. I saw that it didn't say Oswego, New York. I was like, oh, I'll go, you know, to RPI and watch the game there. But no, Oswego is going to play the game not in in either of the cities where I'm within 20 minutes of the two gyms. We're going to go to Rochester, play it out in Rochester just for fun. Um, well, you can't get into RPI anyway.
1: So that that's a good point. I mean, it I'm going to be, be like banging for- on the windows like go Lakers. But-
0: that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, obviously we, we focus on a lot of fall sports in this episode. We still got some winter sports to touch on. We're going to still got a little bit of fall sports where this is a little bit of a lengthier episode um, with us talking, obviously we can put more content in here because there's no interview, but um, you know, going forward, we'll, we'll touch on if RPI stays in nationally ranking men's basketball, we'll keep an eye on them as well, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff to cover fall, but getting into winter sports here, there's you all when you see in a basketball and it's kind of the same situation. I mean, just early on, they're both through about 10 or 11 games, but they're not seeing the most success. And RPI is nationally ranked. It's the same thing in, uh, in, in the fall football season as well.
1: Yeah. So a little bit of foreshadowing there, Joe, like you said, with the Albany and Siena basketball, which we're going to talk about this episode. This episode was kind of just like a fall recap for like the major sports. And then, like, I a, uh, a, don't want to say a preview, but like a, a kind of like a, a quick look at like the bigger uh, athletic teams and programs around here. Uh, but obviously, once we get into episode eight, episode nine, some later episodes, we're going to take a deeper dive into these programs. So yep. uh, before we move into the next topic, though, Joe, well, before we move into uh, the wrap, the final wrap for the uh, fall season and, and take a look away from football, we want to give a quick shout out to the section two high school football champions uh, out of class. AA was Christian Brothers Academy. Class A was Burnt Hill's. Class B was Ravina Quayman Selkirk, Class C was Schuylerville, and Class D was Greenwich. So, big shout out to those guys. Obviously, the Friday nights uh, in Upstate New York here get some pretty good recognition, and uh, we just wanted to give them some shout outs for
0: uh, getting those those sectional titles. Jay, okay, let me tell you, if any out of market, um, if any out of market news reporter came into that scene and saw Ravina Quayman Selkirk and saw. Skylerville and Saw Greenwich, uh, Greenwich. I don't know if I'm saying that one right. I'm from Greenwich. here. Um, you did a hell of a job reading those names. So. Props, <laughs> to tongue twister. But yeah, I appreciate
1: that. Even even Ravina Quayman's Selkirk is a mouthful. It's just RC, yeah.
0: RCS is how you say it. Props book. to you for that. And uh, obviously, congratulations to uh, everyone, regardless of your level. I don't care if there's 500 people at your school or 50 people in your school or 500 people graduating with you or 50 people graduating with you. Um. Uh, it doesn't matter host hoisting a trophy, hoisting a trophy so congratulations uh at all levels to those teams in the capital region yeah and
1: we'll, we'll give a big shout out as well to i guess all the other sectional champions just out of the region because if you're, if you're out there w- we, if,
0: if you won, if if you won if you've won anything <laughs> if you won in your fall sport if it was volleyball boys soccer girls soccer field uh, hockey f- field hockey. um yeah field hockey is fall sport across uh, what else is is spring is track yeah. Track cross cross country. No, cross, cross country countries in spring. I track. <laughs> if you ran really fast, if you won your event, if your school won, wh- whatever, I mean, swimming, you know, swimming, props to the y'all. keep keep going. Motivational messages here. Yeah. Just, but on- just,
1: honestly, listen, Joe and I might seem like we're joking here It's because we're not athletes, at least not at the level where we where we've won anything. I know Joe played varsity volleyball he was a lot closer to being a varsity athlete than I was because he was a varsity athlete. I was but...
0: going to say closer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you work. I, I was not a varsity athlete by any stretch. Um, we, we gave a lot of props to you cause it's a lot of hard work. You know, you're putting in work, you know, 12 months a year, 365 days. So big shout out to you guys. Well, deserved, uh, best of luck in the, you know, off season, the next season, your collegiate careers, if you're graduating and, uh, I know we haven't been doing such a great job with taking a look at the high school scene, but it's so hard to cover everyone and look past like the major athletic programs around here and like talk about, you know, high school sports because, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's, it's one very large slippery slope. And we'd love to talk about everyone if we could. But if we touched on every single sport in every single class at every single level, these would be like eight hour long episodes and they'd be like every other day.
0: So we'll just leave it at congratulations if you uh if you if, if you won an award, if your school won sectionals, whatever level it was, uh big Pulaski corner clap it up for you here.
1: Yeah, stick taps. We don't play hockey. Uh I don't yes. know if I ever want to step on the ice. Although I do want to step on the ice and ice skates, probably won't go well, but I want to learn how to ice skate. I'd love to play hockey, it's not gonna go well for me, but stick taps. Um,
0: but that's skip- actually the side, that's actually the the side venture you were talking about off the top. You're gonna to learn how to ice skate.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: said how there's big moves coming, but you can't disclose it. You're going to learn how to ice skate. There's going to be yeah. a video coming soon. St. Rose Women's Soccer.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like you just said, St. St. Rose Women's Soccer. So uh, we'll, we'll talking about giving a big shout out to a program that deserves it. Uh, St. Rose Women's Soccer had a tremendous season. They made it all the way to the national title game in Colorado Springs. Shout out to Ashley Miller, who went all the way out to Colorado Springs to cover it for WNYT. I think it was the only local media that was out there. Also, shout out to Zach Bai, who is our guest. He's obviously out there in Denver. He went out for the title game as well. He brought his son, Owen. And another big congratulations to them because they just had their second child. Um, but, yeah, there were some people out there supporting St. Rose, and it was well-deserved because what a season that they had and what a program that is.
0: Also, just because I remember these uh, went hand-in-hand here um, on like my first day interning with Roger, we're not going to forget about them here on the Platsky corner. Shout out to Siena Rugby winning the the I don't know if it's NCAA, small college rugby championship. Um congrats to them. Yeah. Timmy Outhouse, that boy and the Siena Rugby team. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, shout out to Siena Rugby. There's a lot of confusion on what exactly that program is and what exactly level they're on and I have no idea. I don't understand rugby. I'm the last person you want to ask anything it's, rugby about,
0: but You see, it's it's either club and they're starting to be an NCAA school next year or it's their I, I think it's their it was their first year competing at the varsity level. That's what it sounded like. But I'm not 100% positive. I could find out real quickly, but it's, Congratulations to them on winning the small college championship.
1: Yeah, well, congratulations to them. But back to St. Rose women's soccer. Uh they finished 18-2 and 4-9-1 in 3 in the Northeast 10. They made it to the national title game like we said. And uh, a tremendous season that they've had uh, on the, how do you say, like decade? It was it was the ten year anniversary. It's been a decade since they won the national title, so almost was kind of deja vu with another national title ten years later. But a great run nonetheless, and, and very well deserved for them.
0: Yeah, it was a great season for them. They went and won the any ten. They were the top seed in the East. Got a first round by in the NCAA tournament. They were they won four to two against Jefferson and three to nothing against Mercy. To protect the uh, the host site at uh, at St. Rose. Then they went on the road to win three to two at, at the host Concord, then went down to Color went down to Colorado, out to Colorado, uh, 2-1 W versus Dallas Baptist, and then obviously that three to two loss uh, in double OT versus Grand Valley State. Um, great season for them, 18 and 2 with count the wins here. Jefferson, Mercy, Concord, Dallas Baptist, four NCAA tournament wins. Uh, against the highest level you can get, uh, it was it was a, a great season for them. A lot of individual recognition we'll touch on as well, starting uh, with their goalkeeper. But great, great season for Saint Rose. Anytime you get, I mean, even we talked about RPI at the start, getting into the NCAA tournament. But when you got the five one eight in national championship games, D one, D two, D three, JUCO, whatever it is. Um, congratulations to the Saint Rose women's soccer team. Great season try to keep it in perspective you made it that far don't you know easy to focus on that they lost the uh in the national championship game and they didn't get the job done but hopefully they're all keeping it in perspective and you know 18 2 and 4 is real solid season for NCA tournament wins and uh great season for them
1: yeah joe when, when you when you're talking about how good of a program this is just in, in the last couple minutes when you were talking i was trying to think is there another program that has had like the success that they've had around here, where they've won a national title, they've been to a national title game, and like was the runner up, like have made deep runs into the NCAA tournaments? Like the only team that I can think of was Union men's hockey when they na- when they won the national title, like right, right around s- eight to ten years ago. But even say, then, they're not a team that's like consistently making deep runs into the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you got Union men's hockey won that with Shane Gostisbehere back in the day. Yeah. Um. I mean, Sienna basketball made it to like what Sweet 16. In, like, yeah, they had a couple good maybe. runs with uh like Ronald Moore, Kenny. Hasbro. But no, you don't you don't see anyone around here for for the most part going you know Natty championship game.
1: Yeah. So, wow. so like
0: Saint Rose women's soccer. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. Good for them. I, and and like I like we said, they're a dynasty over there. Um, I mean, they just continue to churn out individual talent and team talent. Um, they have an incredible coaching staff led by Lori Darling. Um, and a, a tremendous uh, program that, you know, continues to produce every single year. So uh, and they have also, Joe, some really good young talent on this team as well. Um, some freshmen, some sophomores, a couple of juniors as well that were named to uh, all like leagues and all region teams. So this is a team that, I mean, is going to return a lot. Uh, like you mentioned, their goalie, Marika Lorindo. Uh, She was arguably their best player. She was named first team D2 All-American. Um, she's a senior, so I don't think she's going to be coming back, but otherwise, I I expect that they're going to bring a lot back next year. So, who knows if they're going to make another run? I don't want to drink some, but I think they have the pieces.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, the the goalie position is a big spot to fill and Marika Lorendow uh, just finished up her fifth year uh, at St. Rose. So, assuming she'll be out, but, um, someone that was obviously impressive for St. Rose this year, let in, uh, led with 14 goals and also led with 34 points. Mia clamor um, in there as a freshman at a uh, Maho pack. I'm definitely not saying that right, but fr- when, when you have a freshman leading in goals and you're making it to the national championship game, it's definitely a promising sign for these next few years.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know how that works, how you're like a freshman and you're like leading, you know, the number two team in the nation in points. I don't know if you're like a talent that's supposed to go D one and just She's- said, Hey, instead of going lower D1 or being like a lower player to high D1, I'm going to go D2 and just take over. But uh
0: She's I, like Jabari Parker. She's like who? I was going to say she's like Jabari Parker, but considering she's not like surrounded with, well, I was going to say, you know, it's like anytime like, uh, like a, the number one guy goes like the blue blood. Mm-hmm. But I guess like, I don't know what her D1, I don't know like what her offers were looking like at a high school, but maybe it's like a Michael Porter Jr. situation. Or, like, maybe she had some offers, just like, you know, he went to Mizzou and just going a little, you know, not mainstream. Maybe it's a little – uh, who's the guy that just committed to Jackson State? Hunter? Yeah, Travis, Travis Hunter. Hunter. Maybe, maybe it's a little Travis Hunter situation. I don't know. I don't know what her D1 offers were looking like. I don't know um how she either got overlooked or if she just decided to go to St. Rose for whatever reason. But um she'll be returning maybe, hopefully, for these next few years. Uh, great freshman year. It literally can't get better than – making it to the championship game and leading your team goals as a freshman. Um, great freshman year by clamor. Um, her and Sierra Lundy were named third team D2 all Americans. And then Santa Reen was also named second team by the D2 conference commissioners association. So some individual recognition there. And then those four plus Jaina Mueller on, the, on the uh, the D2 conference commissioners association, all region squad as well. So plenty of individual recognition and, Great season for a lot of these uh, – a lot of players and as well as the team making it all the way to the uh, the natty chip.
1: Yeah, and just taking a look at Mia stats show, I mean, you look at a lot of these games, I mean, a f- is that a, f- a five-point game with two goals and an assist? A four-point game with two goals? Uh, an eight-point game with a, having a four-goal game at pace? I mean, you look at, like our ge- like, a lot of these games – she's putting up points in like 75, 80% of them. That's insane. Like no one does that that. in
0: soccer. Like what? No, you don't see that. It was, um, especially at, at the level that, uh, that St. Rose ended up getting up to. I mean, if, if you look when they got to the NCAA tournament this year, I mean, she had a goal in the championship game. She had a goal in the game against mercy, a couple assists against Concord, you know, multiple points, um, shots goals assists all against some real solid competition
1: yeah she's she's exciting obviously seems like um the future of the st rose dynasty i'm going to call it over there because uh like we said they continue to churn out some incredible talent um and they're going to bring back a lot of pieces next year so we'll have to see what they do with the goalie position obviously a very important position obviously to solidify your back end but uh Will be interesting because it seems like they have a lot of pieces on the field that's going to be coming back. So,
0: possible dumb question here, Jay St. Rose D2 or D3? D2. Okay, well, Clamor had okay, I'm trying to do, she had 14 goals. Oh, never mind, I was mistaking how many points she had with how many goals she had because I'm looking at the NCAA uh statistics website and I th- in my mind I thought Clamor had 34 goals and I'm looking and she would have been number one and I'm like, she's not on here. Um but 34, 34, point, what was it? 34 points to go with 14 goals. Great season for her. Um, hopefully she returns to the St. Rose squad next year and see if they can go win a natty next year, but great season for them nonetheless this, uh, this season.
1: Yeah, and uh, definitely a program that should be getting a lot of recognition. They uh, were named number two in the final United Soccer Coaches national poll, obviously coming in second, I think helps a little bit there. Um, and Lauren Doe was named the... Scholar All-America Player of the Year because not only was she a tremendous goaltender, but she carries a four-point GPA as an MBA student. So,
0: yeah, no, that's not unbelievable. Bad. That that's that's unbelievable. Um, gr- great work by her uh, uh, in the classroom on on the pitch. Um, great season. Um, also, the uh, the St. Rose coaching staff won the U.S. Coaches East Region Staff of the Year for the second straight year. So. Shout out to them putting this thing together and just keeping them intact, and you know, another great season for St. Rose.
1: I know, I know. A lot of people make the joke, like, "Oh, it's a student athlete," or they say, "I'm an athlete student." When you're a first team All American, but you're also a 4.0 GPA as an MBA student, do you say you're a student athlete, or do you say you're an athlete student? Uh,
0: at that point, do you, I think at, at that both. point you just say student athlete, just because it rolls off the tongue better. It's just easier because it's that's I mean. I think I saw earlier um, for that that scholar recognition um, there were a to be first team you'd have a three point nine four or higher and she was one of 11 people in like d three women's soccer in all of America. Um, I don't know what the other 10 do as a like in terms of role on the field, whether they're like you know just barely on the team or star goal score or whatever it is. But um, not real, real special on you know on the field in the classroom, um, yeah. I mean I just don't know what to say about that. I can't wrap my head around being in a national championship game, having a 3.94 or uh, being a star goaltender. So, uh, a
1: 4.0 GPA actually put, put some respect underneath. Yeah, no,
0: that's just nice. Um, okay. great season for St. Rose women's soccer. Great, um, possible final season in net for uh for Marika Lorendau and great first season by Mia Clammer. A lot of a lot of talent on that squad.
1: Yeah. A lot of talent on that squad. And like we said, a lot of young talent, freshmen and sophomores. So they should be in a prime position next season too. And, uh, they probably begin in like what, late August. Yeah. The first season, their first game this year was September 3rd. So, uh, we'll be keeping an eye eye on them, try to maybe touch on their program a, a little bit more throughout the fall season, uh, as they make a, hopefully another deep run into the NCAA tournament. But, uh, yeah. So Joe, that's going to wrap up our fall recap, and we're going to hop into some winter talk now. So we're going to begin with some Siena basketball four and six coming off back-to-back wins uh, most recently at Holy Cross. And then the weekend before at St. Peter's, they haven't played in 11 days. Their last game was December 11th. So they're going through a little bit of a holiday break, some finals, I assume as well um, before they wrap their non-conference this upcoming Tuesday at American at 2 PM tip off. And uh, Joe, a little bit of a tough start for the Saints, dealing with some injuries, but some guys getting back on the court. The health is uh, trending in the right direction for Coach Carm and his program, and uh, seems to be an exciting time for the CNU men's basketball program.
0: Yeah, I mean it's obviously tough. One of the uh, the main names to watch coming into this year was going to be Andrew Platek, the Gilderland grad transferring in from North Carolina. It seemed like it was going to be a, a storybook season for him. Then tore his Achilles early on in the year. Um, so some, some scoring, uh, needing to be filled and Colby Rogers has been the main guy stepping into that, leading this team with 13 and a half points per game, been putting the ball in the bucket for Sienna. Uh, and then you also got Jackson Stormo inside does the majority of his scoring, uh, in the paint around the paint. I remember watching a good amount of him last year, just big body down there and having his way with, uh, a lot of separate post defenders got a lot of moves in the arsenal. Uh, he's second on the team in points per game at 11.1, leads with seven rebounds per game. Might be looking at a guy who's going to average a double double come max season. Um, we'll see how that goes. But a couple guys stepping in for uh, for Sienna's so far earlier this year Colby Rogers, Jackson Stormo, through almost the entire non conference slate. Last game is going to be Tuesday at American, but um, through you know, pretty much the entire non-conference, like 10 of the 11 games, uh, Rogers and Stormo, have been the two main guys.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I think that would be eight, eight of the nine non conference. Cause they have played two conference games against Manhattan and then the one against. St. Oh, right. Peter. That's,
0: that's just weird. Throwing in the,
1: yeah, the, the early December games that the Mac does for conference play. I don't get it for me, for me, conference season begins January 1st. Yep. I'm you have that. non-conference November 1st through December 31st. And then once, it's the new year, you're in conference play, but I guess the Mac doesn't believe that. Um, but yeah, Joe, like you mentioned, um, Sienna kind of going through some, some tough times with these injuries. Uh, Rogers leads with 13 and a half points per game, Sturmo second, 11.1. So, not guys that are putting the ball in the bucket a lot. So, we're gonna have to see if those guys kind of step up their volume. They're gonna have to replace their nine points per game with Andrew Playtech, but they're starting to get some pieces back. Uh, they haven't had a fully healthy roster for a single game this season, and that's not going to happen with the playtech injury. And uh, we'll dive into that in a later episode, probably. But uh, they've had injuries to guys like Aiden Carpenter, JV and McCollum, Jordan Kellyer, Jared Bullups, playtech. You know, it's made a lot things a lot more difficult for Coach Carb and his staff. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team looks. I'm going to say probably in the beginning of non or the beginning of conference play, because Coach Carb. Hasn't had the opportunity to kind of work things out and see what his best lineups are for certain situationals and non-conference because he's had so many injuries and we're going to see who kind of takes over scoring wise. You know, obviously, like you said, play tech was supposed to be a big, big piece of that offense. And now that he's done for the season and they said four months on this timeline, we talked to our cousin, Megan, who is a doctor. And she said, what kind of timeline is four months for a torn Achilles? So he might miss the beginning part of next year. We're going to have to just see how healthy he looks uh, come the spring and the summer. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, and uh, we'll have to see if they can get some some volume scorers
0: uh, for the conference play. Yeah, obviously non-conference always just kind of seems like the feeling out process part of the season. See what you got, especially with Siena with new guys coming in, some uh, guys heading out, um, key players at, at that too, with Pickett being out and Plateau coming in, and a lot of new faces coming and going, and this is a team that's still trying to find their identity so through this non-conference slate um, four and six one of those losses being to Saint Bonaventure who's nationally ranked at the time um so some tough opponents some easier opponents maybe um but this team really finding their identity thus far it's, it shows the two back-to-back wins like you said um against Holy Cross and St Peter's and they're gonna have American next week uh that's Tuesday and then Friday New Year's Eve down in new Rochelle against Rick Patino and the boys who are uh, supposed to be or who's supposed to win the Mac this year. Um, there's been talks of just at least what I've heard from people at Siena and around the capital region of just what Rick Patino might be able to put together down there at Iona. Um, and it, it's scary stuff. I don't, uh, for, for the future about what Rick Patino might be able to do. Um, but Siena next to they're going to start conference play at Iona. Uh, tall tasks. And they're, they're going to be battle tested the rest of the way. We'll say that.
1: Yeah. Like you said, Joe, they started off pretty tough. Siena did. They started off 0 and 4. Uh, you look at uh, their schedule, a 28-point loss at St. Bonaventure, a 20-point loss against Delaware, a uh, 28-point loss at home against Yale, and then an 18-point loss at Georgetown. So things that get, did not get started the way that the program was hoping to, but uh, they're four and six and they started zero and four, that means they're four and two in their last six games. Um, and both of those losses came in overtime. So a couple of tough losses, but some good wins, uh, a big win at army, um, a win against St. Peter's who I think was the preseason favorite to win the Mac. They had the, the player, of the, the preseason player of the year as well. So that's a solid program. It's a solid win to go on the road and take that, Um, in your first road game of the conference schedule. um, And then a win against Holy Cross as well. So maybe another game that they can take against American. Um, They've won three of their last four, Siena has. Maybe they can make it four of their last five and uh, try to head into conference play with some big momentum, like you said, out of Iona. And then they play Canisius uh, that Sunday. So two games in three days and uh, not such an easy turnaround with the the Golden Griffins coming to town that Sunday.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you obviously want to start your conference, uh, your conference late on a good note. Um, you know, next episode, episode eight of the Palazzi Corner will, will, will really start getting into this winter basketball season's conference schedule is going to be heating up. Um, we'll see how Siena fares in the uh late 2021, early 2022 part of the season.
1: Yeah, Joe, and and Siena's in a good point. Uh, as they're starting to get healthy, they got a lot of uh, those key pieces either returning to their court close to it, and like we said, they've had um just about 2 weeks off and they're going to have a little bit more i believe than 2 weeks let me just take a quick look at their schedule here yeah they're going to have 17 days between two games so hopefully you don't get too much dead time between those two dates cuz you don't want to you know have too long of a of a, a downtime for your program but you know don't think it's going to hurt either to kind of get some guys some rest hopefully rejuvenated and uh in the right mindset and physical place as well uh for uh the conference play so
0: yeah definitely
1: all right. So we are going to take Siena and we are going to head cross town to the University of Albany. And uh, Joe, over there, first year head coach, Dwayne Killings, uh, friend of the pod as well. Uh, a interview that we had, what was the episode five? Ep- yeah, because four was six, Coach Killings is episode five. So Coach Killings, uh, he-, he has his team off to a four and eight start. So almost an identical record. Um, they've played a couple more games than Siena has. Um, they faced an injury bug of their own, but luckily for them, it's kind of stayed away from their core players, but uh, they're starting to turn in the right direction as well. They've also won three of the last four, including a big win that they just came off of at Lehigh and their first win over an ACC program, which they got uh, against Boston College last week.
0: Yeah, I mean, you Albany uh, talked about finding your identity in the non-conference slate. The amount of turnaround this team has has with coaches and players this year. It is unbelievable. Four and eight right now. Like you said, coming off a 68-52 win at Lehigh. Um, this team, it seems like they've been playing really well when when they're underdogs, both feeling-wise on the court, it seems like with how Dwayne Killings coaches and with how this team plays, they really feel that they get they get stronger off that. And if you look at the Vegas lines, they were three and a half point favorites or three-and-a-half-point underdogs against Lehigh yesterday. They went out and blew the doors off them and, uh, down in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania with a 16-point win. They were 16-and-a-half-point dogs, and they went, went out and outright beat Boston College. And I mean, that's just a statement win and a half for, for Coach uh, Dwayne Killings. The four and eight right now, and uh, I mean, uh, Dre Perry coming in out of Temple has been really good. He leads them with 13.1 points per game. He seems like he was going to be the, the main guy to keep your eye on this year. And uh, Justin Neely as well has been another guy to look for. 8.3 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game. The uh, the rebounds leads the team. And he's been a guy that's been getting it done who may be coming on a, a little more off the radar, obviously, as a freshman than, than Dre Perry coming in from Temple. But a couple of, of, uh, of the main contributors this year for U.A.
1: Yeah. And, and Joe, one thing that I, I picked up on, like you said, is just kind of that buying in and, and believing, you know, I think we've, we've heard a lot of coach killings say that, um, you know, I I did mention how important it is for coach Carm to have as many as his pieces as he can for non-conference play to see what he has and kind of who fits where. But I think that importance is amplified to the nth degree for coach killings because it's his first year, because it's a new system for everyone, because, I think 14 of the 15 guys are new guys to him. And I think the only other guy was a walk on Luke Fislich who's played actually a little bit. And so was the other walk on Ty Kettner. Um, So I think just about, you know, having just about everyone like he has for the non-conference slate has been huge. The buy-in is there. I think you see guys now believing, if you've, you know, checked out coach killings, social media, we follow him because he's a a former guest of the pod that, uh, you know, he's talking a lot about believing and buying in and mentality mentality buzzwords like we talked about with him in the interview but it's it's the core of this program And it's you know really where this program kind of lives and dies and uh you know now he, like he's he's been saying that guys are starting to do it more he's starting to see the belief the buy-in and when you do that the results are going to be there and that's what's happened with the danes winning three of the last four i mean it shows right there off
0: the top there you know obviously he's just trying to learn how to play together figure out roles do all that good stuff exactly Things are starting to come together, and I mean, there, there's there's no better time for things to, start to come together than as you're gearing up for conference play. I mean, you'd rather have things come together now than you get halfway through conference play, and you're already kind of, you know, if you're trying to still find your, your identity in early 2022. Then you get through a few games of conference play. You're already behind the eight ball. Right now, UA is ahead of it. They're looking solid, coming off a couple of wins. I mean, you got to be playing with some swagger if you walk into BC and kick them around like that. Or not kick them around, but, you know, still getting a big win. Um, and, I mean, even just off the court, when you get into that locker room, I mean, I saw the video of Coach of, uh, of Coach Killings going in and the guys just going crazy. I mean, obviously, that something went right in that game for them to come together and get that win. That's That's a group of guys that's coming together. I mean, you go into Boston College with that team who you're probably still getting somewhat acclimated with, things are starting to click. You go in that locker room, you celebrate your ass off like that after being 16-and-a-half-point dogs. These are some guys that are going to come together. This is a team that's coming together on the court, off the court. They're going to play together well. They're making memories together. and This is going to be a tight-knit group, probably, if they're not already, uh, by the end of 2021. I mean, Coach Killings is having the guys at his house for, for dinner, I saw on Twitter. Um, this is This is becoming a tight group. They're a sleeper in the Americas East this year. Um, it's going to sound a little biased saying that they should, you know, that they're a team to look out for, but with no identity coming into this year, it can work for them. It can work against them right now. I'd say it's working for them.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just, just let that, let that breathe for a minute. I know. I think you're episode are 100- coming soon. Y- yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I, don't, there's nothing I can say. That I, I think you nailed it out on all points there. I think, you know, it's, I just think you're hundred percent right. So, um, you know, this team, one more non-conference game against Bucknell. And then, like you said, with the American East schedule right on the corner, no bigger challenge to start it off than at Vermont. Going to 2nd.
0: Patrick Jim.
1: Yep. So the, uh, the perennial powerhouse probably, uh, if not, um, I mean, it's, it's the best home court advantage in the America East maybe and all of been major basketball. It's, it has to be up there. I'm going to have to say, um, but we'll see how the Danes go. But like you said, Joe, I think, you know, for both the U Albany and CNA basketball programs, they're trending in the right direction. The momentum's going the right way. The emotions are going the right way for con- conference play. And uh, when you know how these programs are both, you know, believing and they're buying in things, things are going the right way. So uh, both, each, each program has one conference game left. And uh, I was kind of thinking about this show when I was putting together a rundown earlier, how fun would it be to say, Hey, each of these programs have one conference game left or non-conference game left. And You know who that non-conference game is? Oh, it's you Albany. Oh, it's CNA. It's the Albany cup. I mean, the, the parallels between these two programs right now are incredible. They've each won three of the last four um Siena's getting healthier U Albany hasn't really had to deal with the injury bug a whole lot although they're getting healthier now they have uh, I believe 12 of their 15 guys available or 11 they just missed Jamal Horton but Horton I think is going to be back after the holidays so they should have 12 of their 15 so they should be pretty healthy um they have some veteran talent you know Siena has like Stormo and Colby Rogers you Albany has Dre Perry Matt Cerruti there's young talent. Sienna has Billups, McCullum. Albany has Justin Neely. Uh, Trey Hutchison's a sophomore, sophomore. I think he's a sophomore. Yeah. He's a sophomore with the COVID year. So the parallels, Joe, I think are right there. And this is a, this is a great game when it did happen every year, but
0: man, whew, it'd be exciting right about now. Say a little new year's Eve action now at the TU. I know, uh, probably in some future episodes, we'll, we'll get into some women's basketball. Um, I believe you Albany beat Siena. Yep. They did. I think it was pretty handily too. In, in the women's Albany cup. I think it was like 66 44 or something like that. Yeah. Um. Hopefully yeah. we can get the men's game back next year. The year after maybe, ho- you know, home and home, home and home. Maybe, uh, it's team, sort of, maybe, it's maybe, go pl- may, maybe, maybe go play it at Shenandoah high school for I care. If you want to do a neutral slate, I don't know, but hopefully that game comes back. Like you said, Um, Jay, I want to, b- before we wrap this up here, I want to give you this question because you were just drawing all those parallels between those two teams. Who finishes the season going into going into March? Who's who's ranked higher in their conference? You Albany or Siena? Just because of how similar they're looking right now. Who are you more confident? in? That's I mean, this is this is a tough question. You don't have to give an answer to it. We can cut this.
1: No, 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 no. Uh I, no. You put me on the spot, you asked me the question. I'm gonna give you an answer. Let's do it. Uh
0: I wasn't even thinking about it until you started pointing out all the parallels. And I mean
1: I'm going, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Sienna. And I'm gonna say Sienna because I think they have they have a good mix of talent and leadership and guys that have been there before and young talent, where I think they'll get some good leadership from those older guys. And they maybe won't hit the wall. And I think the middle of the Mac is very compact. And Siena could, you know, like the third or fourth place finisher could be only like two, one or two, three games above like the eighth or ninth place. So I think that can make a big difference. And if Siena can steal one or two, that can make a big difference in where they finish. And ultimately, I think with the Albany, I I am still I want to see a couple of things. You know, I want to see, you know, they're going to face Vermont to begin the season, the, the the conference play, but then they host Binghamton. They go to New Hampshire. They host UMass Lowell. I think with the American East, there's just a little bit too uncertainty with this UAlbany program, this roster, this familiarity with the conference. Some of those really tough road trips to New Hampshire, you know, where there's no fans to Maine, uh, down the Baltimore, you know, Stony Brook's always a tough matchup. I just don't think UAlbany's, going to be there in the regular season. I think they can make some noise come March, but I'm going to say CNN is going to have the better finish in the Mac than you, Albany won the American East.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, you make a lot of great points there and we'll, we'll, we'll keep our eye on what's how they what's look your down the stretch. What's
1: your answer to that question?
0: Um, I think that they're both in, in great spots. Um, I'm actually going to go opposite with you here. Honestly, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take you Albany side. Just because that that statement win against Boston College, I feel like – there. I mean, I don't know how Siena's – I don't know Siena too well, but I feel like um, on the UAlbany end, it, it's a team that, at least from what I've seen, nothing against Coach Karn, but from what I've seen with DK, he's got these guys all the way bought in. It seems like a very tight-knit group, like I said. Uh, I, I don't know how you bet against a team that beat Boston College on the road. Um, even like, you know, Dre Perry coming in at a, at a temple – you, you have a guy that that's been there before uh, on the Siena side they don't have a lot of uh, uh you know you Albany has Dre Perry there uh, Sienna may be doing it a little bit more by committee you Albany has got your your one veteran guy who he's been in the power five he's seen a lot harder things than than Patrick Jim and UMA and you know UMass Lowell I don't know if they're still in the American East but oh yeah you know w- whatever random teams are in the American East uh Dre Perry's gone against harder than them and I think Going into the conference late, I think he's really going to come into his own. I could see him averaging upwards of 16, 17 points per game when we get into you know, the start of March. DK's got these guys bought in. Um, I mean, I'm just still bought into you already just based off the video of them celebrating in the locker room after the Boston College. That, that this It's a team with so many new faces, and obviously it takes time to get acclimated both on and off the court, and just watching that uh, that, that that video and that experience at Boston College getting that win and celebrating after and taking the bus or the the plane home, whatever it was, that's gonna bring your guys together. And I think these boys are are ready to go in the American East. But uh, uh, nothing against Sienna too. I think Coach Carm obviously is still gonna have these guys ready. Um I think they just have a, a bigger they're still kind of finding their identity after the play tech injury, trying to find where to go as if as opposed like you said, you Albany really hasn't faced any injuries at its core. Um while well, as Siena or U Albany used the non conference slate and they've really found their identity and they know what they're doing and they're gonna just keep getting better from here. Siena's still maybe tinkering a little bit and they make it off to a little slower start, especially against Iona. I mean it's only gonna be easier from there on out in the Mac, probably, but um I- I'd say I'd say you albany.
1: Awesome. Well, I guess only just time like, will tell.
0: Just like start? that. Just like that, Jay. Um, I just wanted to get this in here. Just like your Christmas present. Let's wrap this up.
1: Yeah. to by celebrate Hanukkah. We celebrate Hanukkah. So not, just, not like, a whole just
0: like-, like, just like your holiday season gift. Let's wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Just like your holiday season gift. Um, but uh, Joe, thanks for joining me for episode seven. It was another great episode. Uh, good to speak to you on the podcast side of things again. Um, another great episode. Um, I'll, I'll let you kind of have a, a, a second as well, but I just want to thank all of our listeners. It's the holiday season. It's the season of kind of thankfulness and giving, especially with Thanksgiving. So I know we missed the Thanksgiving, uh, the holiday, but just want to wish everyone a happy and, uh, healthy, hopefully safe, uh, COVID free, all, all the disease free Let's, let's just be real, just a happy and, and, and healthy holiday season, you know, with Christmas and the new year's coming up. And, uh, uh, we just hope everyone has a great holiday season and we can't thank everyone enough for listening because, uh, without our listeners, we wouldn't be here and, uh, We've had some great listening numbers through the first eight episodes. Uh, we've, you know, this is episode seven, but uh, this is going to be our eighth episode because episode zero, obviously. So, just a big thanks to everyone that has listened at one point or another, or all the points, whatever, whatever your situation has been, um, because this has been an awesome time for Joey and I. You know, we talked about this idea for a long time and, and getting this podcast off the ground. So to finally have it going, uh, I'm I'm so pumped to go into our first calendar year in 2022 as a podcast and uh go in full steam
0: yeah Jay, I mean 100 like you said hope everyone had a great thanksgiving um hope everyone ha- continues to have a a happy safe healthy christmas um christmas eve new year's eve um you know whatever you're going to do family friends if you're going out if you're staying in whatever you want to do as long as you're happy doing it just do it i mean at the end of the day if people are going to be mad if you're going out or people are mad that you're staying in do whatever you want to do. I hope you hope everyone stays happy, safe, healthy. Um, you know, Pulaski corner 2022, we're coming for you. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was a great start. Um, we had so many great guests, like you said, um, from Adam Zabrowski is the first guest, Carl Mofer, who's now, you know, looking to be drafted, uh, George Marinopoulos, QB one of RPI, even having Nick hold my buddy on, um, Dwayne Who else Killings. Else? Who else, Joe? What's Who else? up? Keep going. Who else? Who else? We had Zabrowski. Yep. George. Yep. Nick. Yep. Dwayne Killings. Yep. Carl Mofer.
1: You're missing one.
0: I'm missing one.
1: It was episode two. Um, yep, it was episode two. I'm missing one. We mentioned, we name dropped him in this episode. We name dropped He does not reside in New York State. Oh, Zach. Bye. Zach. By, Zach. Bye. Come on. Come, and, on, come on. And now. if we're going to shout out Zach by, we have to shout out Owen because he made an appearance during our interview. That is true. So shout out, Owen. Um, shout out to the, to the shout, shout out.
0: Shout out to all the guests that have come on. Um, We're yeah, not yeah. the most established podcast, Um, That's but true. at the end of the day, that, I mean, you know, it'd be nice, but I don't really care. It's we're having a ball. So more life. It's all that matters. 2022. We're coming for you, baby. Are we got, we got one more
1: episode coming in 2021, Joe. One more Ooh,
0: next that's a week. Question. We're gonna
1: um um because New Year's isn't until next next Saturday is November 1st.
0: That's gonna right? be TBD because I'm looking uh well, I mean, you and me aren't doing anything for Christmas Eve. So maybe we'll just oh well. I don't
1: Christmas know. Well, because I'm gonna be
0: we'll, we'll we'll see how we're looking. I'm gonna be in Oswego next week. We got uh basketball, hockey. Uh it's gonna be busy. We'll see. We might have one more coming for you, 2021. If not, we'll see you uh early 2022. Okay, sounds good. So keep an eye out on our social media channels, uh, the Pulaski Corner. Twitter is
1: just at Pulaski Corner because the Pulaski Corner is too long. Um, Facebook, the Pulaski Corner as well. The Instagram is at the Pulaski Corner. Keep an eye out on those uh, for an episode announcement, whether it's going to be late 2021 or early 2022. But for Joey Pulaski, this is Jason Pulaski saying, thank you for listening to episode seven of the Pulaski Corner, and we will see you on episode eight very soon.